Magazines and Monsters, episode 80, Planet of the Vampires from 1965. Let's prepare for a landing, right? Okay. In a 40G gravity atmosphere, strange thing happens to man's body and mind. Barry Sullivan and Norma Bengel take you into the most fantastic science fiction adventure ever filmed. Emergency! Emergency! Conditions desperate. Little chance of survival. Help us. Mark, look! What have you got? The Galliot. Bert, get me a fix on this right now. Wes, Brad, controls. Planet of the Vampires. Harboring a form of life worse than death. Planet of the Bloodless. Creatures who take men's bodies but attack like vampires. I'll tell you this, if there are any intelligent creatures on this planet, they're our enemies. In this outer space world, the living dead try to escape into life. Salas. No, just his body. And I'm just one of many beings on this planet. And we're fighting to survive. It's imperative that our race continue to exist. We arranged for several of you to kill each other so that we could take over your bodies. You are our last chance. No, never. We'll all of us give up our lives to save our own race. Hey everybody, Billy D, a.k.a. Doc Strange here, back with another episode of the show. And this is going to be my final installment of the Halloween season here in October of my Mario Bava coverage. And it's going to be one of my all-time favorite films of his. Uh, so I've got an awesome guest to talk about it uh, with me here. And it's my Tuma Dracula co-host, Mr. Scott West. How are you, Scott? Hey man, I'm doing good. Thanks for asking me to do this one. Yeah, you told me you were a big fan of this one. You know, I had kicked around a, a few different Bava films, but this was always one that I thought, you know, this this is definitely one of them I want to talk about because I think for a, a pretty low-budget film, it's really well done. And, you know, it's it's got some movies that influence down the road here, and we'll, we'll definitely get into that too. But, you know, I think I'd seen this one, oh boy, at least 20 or more years ago, maybe 25 or 30 years ago, uh, honestly, because, you know, AIP when they kind of uh, had their hands in certain things and whether it was something they co-produced or it was just something they brought over here from another country and put out a U.S. version, it seems like their stuff popped up a lot uh, for me anyway in the area where I live on like, you know, Saturday afternoon kind of monster theater kind of thing. So uh, what about you? Yeah, I. it's been a long time since I've seen it. It's definitely a movie that sticks in your mind if you're uh... – attracted to this kind of stuff and i definitely am this movie hits me like right in that sweet spot um 
I remember this movie though before I ever got a chance to see it from when I was a little kid looking at books about horror movies and science fiction movies um, reading famous monsters of film land stuff like that I would always see pictures from this movie mainly um, the the crew you know the ship and those cool spacesuits which we'll talk about mm-hmm. um, it really left an impression I didn't know anything about the movie except you know it's called Planet of the Vampires and they had those cool looking suits so but it was years before I could actually find it or before it showed up on TV for me, but when I did finally see it, it was also one of those sort of uh, late Friday night or Sunday afternoon. We had two local TV stations that had those kind of shows, uh, horror and sci-fi shows, and it finally popped up, and I was able to see it. And wow, uh, yeah, I love it. It made an instant impression, and I was glad that I finally got a chance to see it. And but it's been a while since I have rewatched it, so I was glad you asked me to do this. Give me an opportunity to go get it and check it out again, and I love it just as much. Yeah, and for anybody that's looking for it, it's it's literally uh, readily available. You can find it. You know, whether or not the quality is awesome or anything like that, I'm not. Uh... <laughs> professing it's you know 4k <laughs> ultra hd or anything but you can literally find it all over youtube that's what i'm thinking some of these things that aip i don't know if the the, the people that are you know uh heirs to the the aip stuff or whatever or you know just don't care or everybody's dead or what it is but <laughs> they, 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 they've all either fallen into public domain or nobody gives a crap about them because Literally, yeah. most of these Bava films, you can find them, like I said, any streaming service, uh, Tubi, YouTube, whatever. You, they're usually all over there. So if you want to find it, you can get out there and you can find it very easily. It's definitely a film where I've learned to appreciate it more as I've gotten older. You know, if I'm a like eight-year-old kid and I see Universal's Wolfman, I'm like, whoa, cool. Because mm-hmm. it's just really all about that visual and about, you know, the, the Wolfman running around killing people. I know that sounds a little sadistic for an eight-year-old, but, you know. Welcome to my brain. But uh, sometimes sci-fi, and this is like, you know, I would say this is like half sci-fi, half horror. Sometimes those movies yeah. were a little more, I don't know if intellectual is the, quite the, the exact word I'm looking for here, but they definitely required a little bit more thinking than mm-hmm. just a straight-up monster movie. So when I'm like a little kid, if I would see something like this, I'd be like, uh, some of the, the parts seem a little boring to me. But, you know, as I got older and you really watch and you look for different things and you listen – uh, a little bit more intently anyway, you can definitely find more enjoyment out of this film. I feel like uh, the more times you watch it and the older you get, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, it's definitely straddling that line between horror and, and science fiction. It's got a great uh, science fictional premise. And like you said, I don't know if I'd call it, it's not like a heady intellectual movie or anything, but it's a solid idea that they do a really good job fleshing out and um i was trying to remember my reaction when i was a kid when i did finally get to see this i think there were long stretches where i probably was you know looking at a comic book or something before something Mm -hmm. grabbed my attention back um definitely the older you get and the more science fiction you read and the more horror you watch i think this movie will appeal to you more Mm -hmm. um because the idea, I, I think the idea is great. The, the premise is great, and they really do a good job with it. Um, and it is visual, which we'll talk about, and maybe in a mm-hmm. different way than having a monster, you know, Wolfman running around the, the 
foggy moors, although there's plenty of fog in this movie, too. <laughs> yeah, they had, they had, they had about a, a metric half ton of dry ice on hand. Here. Yeah. This one. <laughs> but it's, cool. it's, a, it's a good, cool, cheap effect, right? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about all that because they do an amazing job. I think the visuals in this movie um, make it. That's half of what I enjoy about this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the budget was two hundred grand, and by today's standards, that's a joke. And even by nineteen sixty-five standards, that wasn't, uh, you know, high art either. That was pretty right. cheap. You know, you had, you know, Hammer doing films for that money, or a little bit more than that money, even uh, a little bit further back from this. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's two hundred grand is is not a, you know you pay the actors, and uh, there weren't a lot of special effects here. A lot of it was practical stuff and camera tricks. You know, not mm-hmm. a lot of. Uh, <laughs> Again, yeah. there's two there's two hundred grand. You're really not doing a lot for two hundred grand. But that makes so. it even more amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually something that's lacking in contemporary film is this sort mm-hmm. of need to innovate because you don't have the money to you know nowadays you can just get anybody to do some CGI or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys had to get really creative and. Um, they do a lot with it. They, I don't, yeah, probably a lot of the money went to the actors. Whatever was left, they used it to the fullest extent because I think this movie looks great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of really cool, interesting concepts in this film. Um, you know, and we're definitely going to get into that, but we'll just, you know, I'm reading right from, you know, if you go pull up IMDb, Wiki, whatever, um, you can just get the, the, you know, the, the bread and butter here. It's, uh, you know, like I said, this is from 1965 and it was an Italian and Spanish. Uh, uh, co co-funded produced film with uh, AIP in there as well, um, and it's you know it's uh, got the director here Mario Bava, who's you know um, when you look at his career, I, I feel it's a it's a pretty easy assumption, and we know uh, some people have said so that you know a lot of the later uh, Giallo and sci-fi horror guys, the big guys, you know uh, Argento, Fulci, all those guys, they were definitely all uh, influenced by Bava. His yeah. his influence lasted a, a very long time, especially in uh, Italian European uh, horror and cinema, right? Yeah, definitely. He's a superstar as far as that stuff goes, and I'm a huge Baba Baba fan. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel, sometimes I feel like some of these, like this movie in particular, um, you know, a lot of people think of Baba, and yeah, they think of Black Sunday, Black Sabbath, and the Giallos and stuff. But he did a lot of other really cool, innovative movies like Danger Diabolic and uh, some sword and sandal stuff that's a cut above. Like, he did a couple of uh, run-of-the-mill Hercules movies, but then he did uh, Hercules in the Haunted World and what's the other one? The Witch's Curse sort of Mm -hmm. um, with some really amazing fantasy elements and visuals. And then, like, this movie, which is not a gothic or a giallo. I mean, this is, I don't know where this movie would fall as far as genre. It's really kind of straddling the line, but he's really all over the place. And I'm, I think I'm a fan of pretty much every movie he's done. <laughs> I can't think of one that I don't like at least a little bit, you know? Yeah, I haven't seen even probably half of his films, but the ones I have seen, I enjoyed every one of them, even if, you know, um, they aren't considered, you know, by any of the the critics or even a good part of fandom 
uh, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, great films or whatever. I, I, I like all of his stuff that I've seen because I just feel that he had a he had an interesting way of doing things in for the 60s, you know, late 50s and into the 60s. I don't think there was anybody else doing what he was doing and people soon followed. But I feel like he was the first to do a lot of these things, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And I mean. Uh, he's the director, and we have, you know, a screenplay by one, two, three, four, five, six, like literally six or seven different people. Um, and on the European side, I won't even butcher their names. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Bava had some hand in the screenplay as well. Yeah, he did, actually, which I didn't realize. Um, and it's based on a short story called One Night of 21 Hours uh, by... Renato Estraniero. Um, I've never heard of this story. kind of want to read it now. I don't remember uh, seeing that in the credits before whenever I watched this movie previously. I, I only noticed it this time around. But man, I kind of want to track that story down now and check it out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That sounds pretty cool. But yeah, so, you know, we, we, we can go over the cast a little bit here. We have, you know, two people that for sure, you know, two out of the three, you know, main characters that you know, make it basically all the way to the end of the movie here. We have uh, uh, Barry Sullivan, who's <laughs> Captain Mark Markery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, okay. Sure. <laughs> um, that guy was in a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of uh, Westerns and stuff like that. He was an American mm-hmm. actor. You know, sometimes the European uh, companies, they would get an American or a British actor or actress to, you know, uh, throw out there just to try to put a name that was a little bit bigger in there to, to draw from foreign markets and, you know, this was this was the guy that they 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 pulled from there. But yeah, he'd been in a, a ton of television and movies. It's like you know, the list is literally like <laughs> half a mile long. I yeah. mean, I, other than this one, I don't know that I've seen any of his other movies because really a lot of them aren't you know horror or sci-fi, which is predominantly what I watch though. Yeah, I recognize him a little bit from like TV westerns and stuff because I am kind of into those, um, and I know the name. I knew his name. He's really the only one in this cast that I am familiar with at all, but mm-hmm. um, but not even all that familiar with him, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But he's yeah. fine in it. He does a good job. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's pretty cool. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the main uh, female actress, female lead in this one was uh, Norma Bengel, I guess we'll uh, pronounce her name. Let's hope that's good. And she was a, a Brazilian lady. And uh, she had uh, <laughs> she had uh, been in a few things as well, not a ton or anything like that, but a few things. And again, a lot of times when they were casting uh, females uh, in these movies, if they weren't going to be the lead character, you know, uh, a la Barbara Steele in some of uh, uh, Bob's productions, when they were just going to be like the, the the second person or the third person in the film, they they didn't really worry about casting, you know, somebody that was super famous or anything uh, in these either. But, you know, she's there and she's really cool. She plays Sonia. She's kind of like, you know, the, the right hand, uh, let's say, woman of uh, Captain Mark mm-hmm. here, as we'll say. But I thought she did a pretty good job, too. What about her? Yeah, she's great. Um, nice to look at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very attractive. Um, yeah, I thought she did a good job. I think everybody in the movie plays their parts well. Uh, one interesting thing about these Spanish Italian movies, um, a lot of times they were shot with because they would get actors from America.
Africa or wherever, like I just said, she's Brazilian. Um, they would also just say the lines in their native language and sometimes not even know what the other actors were saying. <laughs> and then true? they dub it all later. It's so yeah. it's a really interesting way of making a film. Uh, but, um, you know, the dubbing in this movie, I think they did a, a really good job. It wasn't distracting or anything. No, not but at all. She, I, yeah, they did a good great. job. Yeah, I thought that she was great. Yeah, they did. I know somebody I read or heard an interview a long time ago, too, that a lot of times Spanish and Italian filmmakers, especially if there were a lot of outside shots, mm. uh, a lot of, you know, outside uh, shots and outside locations, you know, there's wind and there's this and there's that. So they will literally, literally just record uh, with no sound and then add right. the, the dialogue yeah. in later. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what they would do. <laughs> Pretty interesting. I get, it mm. worked. I get, you know. Um, mm -hmm. pretty sure there was no outside shooting on this one. This is all yeah, on a stage, stage sound stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was another, uh, uh, young lady in this one too. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name either. So don't kill me here, but Evie, Evi Mirandi. And she is the, uh, the, the blonde haired girl in this movie too. And she's, she's easy on the eyes as well. She's a very, very attractive lady. I agree. <laughs> yeah, she plays Tiona. Tiona, I believe is her name. Mm -hmm. Uh, she does a great job, too, because she actually has a few scenes where she's um, kind of uh, distraught or, you know, I'm thinking of one scene in particular where she's seen, well, I don't want to get too far ahead in the movie, but she's seen something that's really upsetting. And there's, there's a, a really great scene where she's sort of uh, almost in hysterics. And I think she does a believable job. I think she pulls it off pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a there the, the beginning scene of this one. There's a lot of hysterics. We'll we'll get into that in a minute. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just say, you know, uh, read here real quick. There's just one little paragraph here. It just says the story follows the horrific experiences of the crew members of two giant spaceships that have crash landed on a forbidding unexplored planet. The disembodied inhabitants of the world possesses the bodies of the crew who died during the crash and use the animated corpses to stalk and kill the remaining survivors. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about a couple things here right away. Um, so uh, this film definitely, uh, you know, uh, lends itself to a lot of plot points in a lot of future movies. Uh, and, you know, I, I believe, uh, you know, uh, Ridley Scott and, you know, Dan O'Bannon for sure uh, have a little bit. They, they owe a little bit to uh, Planet of the Vampires, do they not? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's been talked about and written about uh, in mm -hmm. other places, so we're not... Uh, being super original with that, but it, yeah, it's pretty obvious in, in a lot of ways. And, uh, I think that's cool, you know, mm -hmm. grab, grab those cool ideas and do your own thing with them. And they did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there's one scene in particular in this movie where, you know, uh, the two of the, uh, 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 space travelers, we'll call them here, uh, are on this planet and they go onto an alien ship and they mm -hmm. see a, a giant, uh, you know, alien form type thing, semi-humanoid at the controls of this ship, uh, just yeah. like a scene in Alien, you know, from uh, 1979 yep. there. <laughs> very, very, very reminiscent of that. And even in a way, you know, the, 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 the you know, air quotes aliens uh, in this movie, they do not resemble anything like, uh, you know, Ridley Scott's uh, aliens there. Uh, but once they kind of take over your body and, you know, you know, you start acting, you know, a little irrationally. 
they they do kind of I don't want to say, you know, it's not like a chest burster kind of thing or anything like that. There's none of that going on here, but it is like, you know, almost like um you know, the thing where there's like an alien uh, inside you kind of and it yeah. uh, wreaks havoc then. Yeah, you um you nailed it. I was actually going to bring up the thing as well, which I have not heard anyone talk about in regards to this movie, and I'm kind of surprised because the element of, um, like you said, there you're you've got your co co-workers, whatever you want to call them, acting strangely. There's a there's definitely a, like an air of mistrust at the, at, after a while, where you're not mm-hmm. sure who's on your side anymore. That's very, very reminiscent of John Carpenter's good thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, very, very much so. So, well, yeah, we can you know get right into uh, this uh, the first scene here. So the I like how this movie starts out. There's um, you know, uh, here's another thing I think people riffed on years later after um uh, Bava here. Now this movie starts out with a scene in outer space, and you just see stars, and you you can tell you're like supposed to be on a ship out in space, and you hear this crazy like kind of electronic music. Yeah. And as the credits roll, it that's you know it it reminds me a tiny little bit of you know a movie that came out ten years earlier, Forbidden Planet, uh, yeah. a little tiny bit. But then also the electronic music kind of reminds me of like a, a proto version of the crazy music from some of Argento's movies. Again, nailed it. That's the first thing I have on my notes was the the soundtrack because it is the weird electronic movies. It feels really 60s in a way but also mm-hmm. like you said it does harken back to i mean they were using that as, as early as forbidden planet and definitely argento i think caged some of that stuff uh it's mm-hmm. mostly there's not a whole lot of like regular music score in this movie a lot of it is that strange boopy beepy electronic stuff that, or just like ambient sounds mm-hmm. uh, very spooky, really eerie, and I think appropriate for the deep, vast mysteriousness of space. It's a great opening scene. Yeah, and the music is by Gino Marinuzzi Jr. Uh, hopefully I'm doing Gino some justice there. That's, that's who was uh, responsible for the music here. All credit Thanks. to him. And yeah, we yeah. see right away there's there's a ship and there's, I don't know, maybe half a dozen occupants on this ship. And they're, they have these real funky costumes too. You know, you and I talked about this for a minute. You know, it's yeah. they're, these costumes, they're, they're these suits they're wearing, very, very different from anything I had ever seen for a long, long time. I don't know if I've ever seen anything even close to this. What did you think of these costumes here? Well, okay, you can cut me off at any time because I don't want to go on and on. But <laughs> <laughs> I love, love, love these costumes. There's a only a couple of... Uh, clothing items from movies or tv that i would love to have in real life one of them is the uh fighter pilot jackets from the original battlestar galactica mm, yeah <laughs> and the other is this spacesuit because it looks like i don't know it looks like black leather or something um it looks like something elvis would have worn in his comeback <laughs> special in 68 it's got that high collar um it's it's got this like yellow piping that makes it look extra cool. So it's like mostly black, but with these yellow highlights. Um, also, when I mentioned when I would only see the pictures of this movie in books when I was a kid, 
I didn't know anything about the movie. I saw it was called Planet of the Vampires, and I saw these funky suits. And until I saw the movie, I always thought that these, that the crew members were actual vampires. And I think <laughs> it's because they have those high collars, like mm-hmm. Dracula, like an exaggerated, you know, Dracula's <laughs> cape collar. Lagosi <laughs> here. <laughs> and when they wear the caps, with mm-hmm. them, it's almost got like a widow's peak, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just yeah. thought they space vampires. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely interesting and definitely unique. And just to, to you know, so there's a distinction here. Um, I don't know that I would call anything that happens in this movie specifically vampiric. Um, no. you know the the the, <laughs> the 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 movie in Italy uh, had a different name. It was just called a uh, uh, Terror in Space. And it, it, you know, when it came over here in America, that's when it, you know, it adopted Planet of the Vampires. But Terror yeah. in Space is probably a better name, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably more accurate because there's definitely not any vampires as far as if you're looking for your typical horror movie vampire, there's none to be found in this movie. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. And the, the reason this ship and then another one are uh, heading for. Uh, a planet, you know, it's it's another thing that uh, sounds a little alien-ish, if I uh, will say, is they, they receive a distress signal. So, uh, again, yeah. yep. that's something, you know, right out of Alien, right? <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, and, uh, you know, they start to, you know, uh, try to land on this world, and there's all this turbulence and these G-forces and crap that's like, you know, has them, like, plastered down, like, they, they can barely even move, and um, it, it's, the, 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 the ship... No, this uh, the the first ship here. We're gonna call uh, it's it's the the Argos. Um, a lot of the the uh, crew here starts to like go batty, like they've gone nuts, mm-hmm. and they start trying to like beat the crap out of each other or kill each other. And I was like, when you first see this movie, you're just like, what the heck is going on here? Because there's no no real visual cue to show no. you that something has happened to them to make them do this. So you're just wondering, hey, what's going on here? So a little bit of chaos, but uh, I'd say mm-hmm. a good kind of chaos to start, right? Yeah, I think so. It's very strange um, because, yeah, they hear the the signal. They're conversing through video screen with the other ship, and then they lose contact. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they're going down. There's some, like, uh, G-Force stuff they play around with. And, yeah, the next thing you know, they're just all hammering on each other. <laughs> but it's not in a way where you're totally confused or annoyed by what's going on. I think they do it well in that you're it, clearly something is wrong it's more of a mystery than than uh you know like a drop plot point or something i think they it works really well mm-hmm. yeah and the other ship is called the galliot and yeah they lose contact with it and that's when they're just like you know we gotta you know i don't know if that ship's like a little ahead of them in its landing procedure but they they kind of you know once they get their wits about them because uh uh uh, Captain Mark, uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if he's just got, you know, bigger balls than everybody else yeah. or what, but he doesn't seem to really be affected by this uh, space madness. Uh, right. So he just kind of starts slapping them around until they kind of come out of it. It's almost like they're uh, hypnotized under some kind of hypnosis. And once mm-hmm. he kind of like snaps his fingers in front of them or, you know, smacks them across the face, it wakes them up out of it. And they're just like, what happened? What was going on? They don't even realize what they were doing, you know, yep. so. Once, you know, he kind of snaps them all out of it. They're just like, you know, hey, uh, like, what, what's going on here? We need to figure this out and see what happened with the other ship. Now, one crew member does go a little bit nutty and uh, runs outside the ship, but uh, they eventually catch up to him. 
And, uh, you know, you, you can't tell right away, again, that there's any kind of uh, alien presence here or anything like that. It's just, you know, something's going on. It could have just been, you know, the gravitational pull of the planet. You know, it's just it's just very sci-fi at this point. Yeah. Um, but then they do, you know, think, hey, let's, you know, uh, go try to find the other ship. It's It's got to be, you know, not too far away from here. So uh, they, they, they go off uh, walking around in their crazy little suits, and uh, they have these really cool-looking uh, you know, laser rifles, too, that are really awesome. We'll, we'll, t- we'll talk about them in a minute. But they, they go searching for the other ship, and they do find the other ship. But on their way over to there, like, again, the, the budget was super, super cheap for this film. But I thought they did a great job, Baba did here, you know, just like you know, with some fog and some different colors and lighting and things like that really make yeah. this look like they're on some kind of crazy, rocky, t- crazy terrain, you know, planet, right? Yeah, and this is where I start to really love this movie, just the look of it. Um, and Baba, I've, a lot of his movies, he loves to use that garish, almost psychedelic color and mm-hmm. and it really used to good effect in this movie because it just, it may not look real, quote unquote, but it, it looks... Uh, it definitely looks alien and strange, um, almost dreamlike and surreal. And I think he's just moving a couple of paper mache rocks around and then shooting a bunch of fog in there, you know, in front of a bunch of garish red, blue, and green lights. But, man, it looks really cool. And there's a shot, they use it a couple of times, where it looks like the film is sped up a little and the fog's moving strangely like mm-hmm. very quickly and it's almost jittery gives it an even more alien feel yeah I, for sure i think it, i love it i think it looks cool yeah there's a shot they have too where i'm not sure at what point of the movie it is but it doesn't really affect anything if it's down the way that we're going to talk about so i can talk about it now where i think it's uh the the uh, uh norma bengal's characters it's sanya she looks down at the ground and there's like you know some uh, part of the surface that's kind of like looks like it's cracked open and there's like this bubbling ooze coming up out of it. it looks really yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another because you can't really get a, an idea of what this planet even is. It just looks so bizarre and strange. Mm-hmm. And then they finally do get to the other ship and they're like peeking in through the window or something. Yeah. And they can see that it looks like all the other crew members are there and they're dead. Yeah. And it's like, oh, what the heck happened here? And and, you know, they kind of, you know, piece together like, oh, hey, they went nutty just like we did when we came into the atmosphere here. But they weren't, you know, nobody on their ship was able to resist. So they ended up just killing each other. And the one guy that's on, you know, uh, the, the Argos, his little brother, Toby, was uh, on the uh, Galliot. And they did, you know, when they were doing their little video conference, their little Zoom meeting out in space there, <laughs> they did, you know, say, oh, hey, the younger brother there is there, blah, blah, blah. It's great. So they did tie that together. So. Yeah, you know, it means a little bit more when they see him dead there for sure, right? Right. Yeah, it's a it's a blow to him, and that's a great scene. It's really eerie when they're looking at the these dead people laying on the bridge. Um, mm-hmm. the, sort of uh, the looks on their faces. There's a couple of close-ups of the faces of the dead crew members. Um, really eerie. Yeah. And now you're so yeah. So we start out sci-fi land, and we're already going into horror territory at this point <laughs> yeah it, it didn't take long and no. they think oh, okay we're gonna you know we're gonna bury these dead people but you know they do bury the dead people they can get to but i guess the you know the bridge that they can see in 
but it, it's it's like locked that they can't get into it. So I yeah. think if I'm not mistaken, one of the uh, the crew members goes back to the uh, the Argos to like get you know I don't know if it's a torch or whatever to you know uh, mm-hmm. maybe it's a, a skeleton key <laughs> to open yeah. <laughs> <laughs> open up the door to get into the bridge. And in the meantime, till they you know the guy goes back or maybe they all went back. I can't remember, but at some point. They basically weren't standing there looking in the bridge, but they do finally get into the bridge. And when they do, those dead bodies are gone. So it's like, oh, crap. What just yeah, happened here? <laughs> bad news. <laughs> yeah, you're in trouble. Something even, yeah, something even weirder is going on. And yeah, and then, I mean, it doesn't take long before after that scene just happens that a couple of the, you know, I'll just call them red shirts for lack of a better term here, <laughs> uh, on the Argos. They're found dead, too. And I think it's at this point when we see these guys that are found dead, they kind of have this. Uh, I'm trying to explain how like what the makeup effect they did on their face. Is it I don't know if I want to say it's almost like a burn or something, but their face is kind of a little bit disfigured, right? Yeah. Uh, how would you describe that? It's definitely like some scarring. Um, some of the flesh maybe like ripped, ripped away. Um, maybe it is kind of a burn. I don't know. It's a really disturbing. It's a good makeup for their mm-hmm. lack of budget. I think it looks really effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Re- again, not with not much money, something pretty cool here. And at yep. some point too, like right around here, the, uh, the, the, uh, good looking blonde Tiona, uh, mm-hmm. she sees these dead people walking around and she's just like, ah, and like kind of yeah. <laughs> wigs out. And <laughs> yeah. Um, she basically, you know, at this point, you know, the, the captain's like, we got to get out of here. Like, there's something going on here. We don't understand. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's it probably is part of the reason this other ship full of people, you know, have been killed. And now it's, you know, there's something that killed a couple of our people. Like, it, it's time to cut bait and get out of here. But, you know, there's, you know, some damage from the, you know, landing and all that stuff. You know, the, the, the typical kind of like, you know, again, just like on Alien, where hey, there's some damage to the ship. We got to fix that before we can get out of here. Of course, we know shenanigans will ensue uh, until they get it repaired, right? (laughs) Yeah, and I actually, this this is the kind of stuff I also really love, but there's a whole lot of uh, scientific gobbledygook speak in this (laughs) area that you can tell is just, most of it's just made up. And then Uh one of the pieces of the, of the, uh, or one of the damaged or missing even uh, parts of their ship is the meteor rejector. Which <laughs> yeah, love that they, name. For <laughs> some reason, they desperately need, uh, before they can leave, the meteor rejector. I don't know what it is or what it, well, rejects meteors, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he does I, say at some point, I think, isn't he talking to like maybe the science officer, the, the Spock of the ship? I, yeah. It seems like it's almost like a force field so, uh, because I guess the ship on its own, if it would get hit with meteorites, it would just get right. smashed into Swiss cheese, I think he says at some point. So that yeah. thing is almost like their deflector shields, like a la the Enterprise. Right. But <laughs> Great name. <laughs> Meteor rejector sounds cool. But yeah, that, <laughs> I'm, I'm just a sucker for that stuff. But, mm-hmm. uh, it's really cool. They need to, uh, you know, they're stuck. So now we're we're up in the ante here as, as far as what's going on. Yeah. And he does a, uh, he doesn't say, you know, star date, blah, 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 blah. But he does have like this little <laughs> recording device where <laughs> he basically says, you know, we're on this planet. People are getting killed. You know, we're screwed and we're probably all going to die. I'm like, wow, what an optimist. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
He's no Captain Kirk, man. <laughs> no, he was already uh, already given in. But to be fair, it's a pretty bleak situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and during this time too, it's just you know again some more you know red shirts, randos, whatever you want to call them, they get killed. So yeah. it, it does get to a point where you know there's probably only about realistically maybe five of them left, and mm-hmm. we do get to a scene too. It's it's kind of around this point in the movie, I think, where and this is a part that I remember from this movie when I was younger seeing it, and it kind of wigged me out a little bit. Where you know the camera is outside the ship where they buried uh, those uh, dead people from yeah. the other ship, and you hear this like you know creaking kind of noise because what they did was they buried, they basically only dug like a hole like three feet deep in the ground, threw mm-hmm. them in, and then I don't know where they got these giant plates of steel. Like yeah. and laid it down over the top of their, you know, like a rectangular grave they dug for them, and that's that's about it. But you hear this noise, and it's like, and it's to these reanimated corpses, you know, yeah. pushing their pushing their way out of these graves, and they had them in these like plastic bags, like Ziploc <laughs> bags for, yeah. you know, basically, and just the sound. And I feel like Bava has this at like half speed where it shows them pushing their way out and then yeah. the tearing sound of them tearing those bags open. How about that scene? Yeah, it's memorable. It's really effective. Uh, I think you described it very well. It's unsettling, man. <laughs> yeah. Now we are full on horror because these are corpses coming back to life. And yeah, the way he shot, like you said, it's at half speed or something. It's really eerie because they're moving strangely um and when they first crawl their way out of those shallow graves you know they're in those plastic bags and that just looks weird but when they start tearing the plastic off um their faces have that disfigurement too so they look really ghastly when you see their their faces are revealed um and yeah the sound during that scene everything about it it's it's creepy as hell Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's for me. That's my favorite scene of the movie, just because it's creepy, it's eerie. Bob did a really a good job there. A couple of cool things with it. It just no other scene in the movie like you know creeps me out except yeah. for that scene. There's a lot of other scenes I like. They look great, sound great, but that scene I think is particularly well done. And oh man, yeah, I'll I'll have to try to find a gif of that somewhere on the internet. Oh man, I hope you do <laughs> because that is really really creepy. It just you need to see it and hear it too, because, like I said, it's the the, the sounds there are just uh, fantastic. Uh, there again, all, all hail Baba. <laughs> totally. Yes, I agree, hundred percent. So yeah, so now you know we've seen it for ourselves. You know that the dead have arisen, and we know they're they're not there to uh, you know make peace. They're they're there to do something else. And but it's still at this point, it's kind of like a little bit of a, a, a secret as to what is animating them, and they do eventually figure it out, but. I want to talk about these, you know, this alien force for a while here, uh, mm-hmm. for a minute, I should say. You know, we see at some point you hear this like really weird electronic noise and you see these bright lights kind of whizzing by the screen left to right, you know, like a red, blue, white, um, almost like, you know, shooting stars. But they're going, you know, uh, sideways instead of from, you know, the sky downward. And uh, I, w- what are your thoughts on that? Well... I get what they're trying to do and it comes across okay, but that might be one of the scenes where the lack of budget 
burnt it just slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because the the three lights kind of move in a uniform way. I don't know. It looks a little awkward, but I get what they're doing, and and it is effective. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I, I yeah. feel like a bigger budget might have made that scene a, a little cooler. Yeah, I'd almost want to know if there was something else uh, Bava had in mind there, um, or if that's just direct reference from the book the movie is kind of based on. I would love to know because I feel like you know with with a little bit more money. I think they uh, could have and would have done a lot better there. But again, budgetary things. I, I get how the, you know, the like like the real monsters, you know, for the the audience anyway, you know, they're they're you know uh, aesthetically are the reanimated corpses that are being reanimated by these you know alien life forms um, that yeah. are like in these colored things flying around. So that I, I can kind of be like, eh, you know, whatever, just because of the budget and because of what those things do once they inhabit these corpses. That's really cool. Right. Yeah, and I I, I should say, it really doesn't bother me at all. I'm, I'm very forgiving as far as low-budget movies go um, mm-hmm. when they do stuff like that. So, But anyone else, maybe that's watching them, maybe a younger person that's <laughs> <laughs> that's more into contemporary stuff might find that scene a little weird, um, but it, it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. And there was, there is like a, a person who, as the movie goes on here, kind of rises up as our third, you know, I don't want to say star of the movie, but, but the, the third kind of, you know, uh, lead character here. And that's a uh, uh, Wes. And uh, I, lo- I love this, these names, the captain, Mark Markery. And yeah. this guy's name is Wes Westcant. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic man fantastic yeah that's great <laughs> but uh, that was a uh, Angel aranda um and he's he, he does a pretty good job here too again he's kind of like the third the, the the third wheel here so um at some point i think he's the one that notices i don't know if he just sees kind of a, a shiny object from afar or he actually does see part of a ship from afar and again yeah. we're, we're kind of going down the, the the aliens road here now where you know the three of them decide hey we're gonna go uh we're going to go check this uh, other uh, ship out, you know, and this is uh, this is a uh, captain Sonia and uh, this other guy is uh, Carter. They go and, and check this out. And uh, this is, you know, some of the stuff we were talking about before. Right. With some of the uh, inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. And this is my other favorite part of the movie. And the one that stuck with me when I saw this as a kid um, for a long time after that, when this movie wasn't as easily available, the images that stuck with me were those really cool spacesuits. And then this scene with these other, these dead alien giant, you know, they're basically just giant skeletons of whoever these other aliens are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's <laughs> really... It's really memorable, and they did a great job with the effects, I think, in these scenes. Yeah, they, they basically go to this ship, and of course they make uh, this one poor sap be like, hey, you stand guard out here by yourself while yeah. we, uh, you know, investigate. <laughs> it's almost like the, you know, the Scooby-Doo. You know, uh, oh, hey, <laughs> Scooby, uh, you and Shaggy go over that way, and me and the girls are going to go this way. It's like, dude, everybody yeah. knows what you're trying to do. You're either trying to score, or you don't care if they get killed. Either way, you're not doing right by everybody here. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. But yep. they, you know, uh, Captain Mark and Sonya, they 
uh, you know, uh, headed into the ship while the other guy stands outside by the entrance. And of course, we know he's uh, not long for this world. But the, the the more important thing is the two of them go in there and they see, like you said, these large skeletal. They're sort of humanoid looking, but you know, again, they're like three times the size. I think they they mentioned of yeah. you know a, a human being, and there's you know some laying around that are just like half decomposed, and there's one that's kind of at the controls of this ship. And, you know, like we said, definitely a direct inspiration there for uh, Alien when they go on the Alien ship and we see the the, oh, the, the, pi- the pilot guy there. Yeah. Yeah. It looks almost exactly like that. It's mm. a great <laughs> shot. It's really startling because we haven't seen anything like this yet in the movie. And you're not really expecting that. Um, and I think even if you think, OK, oh, they see another ship. Maybe there's some other life forms on it. You're not expecting that, and it's really great. I love it. It that that visual is I'd put it up there in the top horror movie you know visuals of all time. I I love it that much. Cool. Yeah. It's a uh, it's really n- neat, really different, and again, it's something you weren't expecting that Bava you know you know did a great job with uh, portraying that on screen here, and they they kind of do get like stuck in the uh, you know the the bridge. Uh, and then they do eventually use some kind of crazy technology these aliens had. They're smart enough to figure it out and, and get back out of there. But, of course, mm-hmm. once they do get back out of there and go looking for their buddy Carter, he's nowhere to be found. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, he's not with us anymore. But uh, at this point, you get two uh, of the you know dead reanimated members of the other ship, the Galliot, uh, Kier and Salas. And they show up at the Argos to steal the ship's meteor rejector device. Not the meteor um, rejector. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, obviously, it's at this point you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know, you can put two and two together and say, you know, these aliens or some kind of alien force has animated these uh, uh, corpses and they're intelligent and they're smart enough to think, okay, we want to get this meteor rejector because uh, we're going to put it on the other ship. I guess theirs was damaged maybe because, again, a lot of stuff was damaged on the Argos. Yeah. Yep. then they're going to use that to get out of there. Why they want to get out of there or anything like that, we, we don't know yet, but that's what they're uh, trying to do here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this point, yeah, Cap- Captain Mark, this is where he kind of rips open in a fight of that yeah. one the guy's uniform, and that's a really creepy, gross scene. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The next thing you see is, um, yeah, he rips open the uniform, and you see just his rotting like his ribs kind of and um yeah just a he's he's a rotting corpse beneath this uniform again something you're not really expecting like we've seen the the weird disfigurement on the faces and stuff but once he does that you're like oh yeah these guys are fully dead they're There's no chance that they're anything but completely dead. Because, and it's gross, and it's really startling. It's, mm-hmm. uh, good scene. I love it. Yeah, it's just, it's like a really quick flash, but it's a really it's cool, you know, neat little shock, quick, like, whoa, what happened there? Like, scene there, for sure. That's one of the one of the yeah. good little, uh, I wouldn't, you know, it's not a, a jump scare or anything like that, but it's a little shocking scene that just happens really quick. And it's like, you know, if you're sitting here watching this at home, you're like, hey, rewind that. What happened there? And you're like, yeah. like <laughs> slow-mo, right. and you're like, oh, that's gross. It's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> he he basically comes out and tells them that, you know, this this corpse, this alien says, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just using this corpse. Uh, uh, and, and they're called, I would pronounce it Aurans, I guess, A-U-R-A-N. Um, you know, the, how the alien or who the aliens are. And it's like, you know, hey. You know, we lured your ships here with this distress signal. 
to uh, escape from this dying world and get out of here and, you know, uh, run ransack another uh, planet somewhere. And yeah. you know, they have they basically have that crew, that other ship completely, you know, uh, zombieized here and they're going to use the uh, ships to get away. So that's why they needed the meteor rejector. And uh, Captain mm-hmm. Mark's like, you know, I don't know, you don't I'll stop you. And it's like, mm. I don't like your odds here, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he takes uh, Sonya, and uh, there might be Wes and maybe one or two others left at this point, but it might just be the three of them to, you know, get to the other ship and get yeah. the meteor rejector back and, you know, uh, plant some explosives on that ship and also, you know, blow up them and then put it back on their ship and get away because I guess Wes finally fixed everything to the point where, hey, we just get that back, we can take off and, you know, the yeah. ending to this movie, you know, uh, Bava films, if you haven't seen any yet, get ready. There's usually not a happy ending to them. So, yeah, um, <laughs> <All right. laughs> so, you know, uh, Captain Mark and Sonya and Wes, you know, again, they're the only three left. Everybody else has been killed off at mm-hmm. this point. Um, and they, they do, you know, uh, get to the ship and take off. But, uh, you know, they're they're heading out and. uh uh, Wes, at some point, he kind of thinks like, I think he goes to like, be like, hey, man, I, I, I fixed everything on the ship on the way up uh, out of in this space here. I, I need a power nap here to be able yeah. to, you know, make the trip home. <laughs> and he kind of wakes up. I don't know if he hears something or he has a nightmare or something like that. And he kind of looks at the little like there's a little like peekaboo window into, you know, everybody's little, uh, you know, everybody's sleeping quarters. And yeah. he can see, you know, uh, Captain Mark. And it, it's his his face is kind of like distorted a little bit, but he kind of looked like he was looking in at him and then walks away, even yeah. with Wes saying, hey, hey, Captain, Captain, what's going on? Is that you? And then he comes back in and he sees uh, Sonya and he says, Sonya, he's, you know, the captain was just, you know, uh, you know, watching me here. I think something's up with him. She's like, oh, do you really like, hmm, you know, <laughs> may, maybe you're right. And then uh, <laughs> the two yeah. of them. You know, uh, just uh, basically say to him, uh, uh, oh, yeah, we've been, you know, infiltrated by these alien forces, too. So you're screwed, pal. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Wes is the lone uh, surviving human. And they want him to join. They ask him politely. (laughs) (laughs) Join us. Join us. Be one Mm -hmm. of us. And he just flat out refuses and he runs out. Um, and he decides he's going to try to sabotage the ship to stop these aliens from uh, getting out of there. And But that doesn't go well for poor Wes, unfortunately. Yeah, no. Wes is basically, I wouldn't say he's a red shirt. I'd say he's like an orange shirt. So he's like halfway to being a red yeah. shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so he, in trying to uh, sabotage the ship here, um, he he kind of does what he wanted to do, which I think is a uh, disable that meteor rejector thing. Yeah. But um, in doing so, he gets electrocuted and fries himself. So Wes is dead. So you know we're just left with our our two main characters here, Captain Mark and Sonya, who you know we thought if anybody was going to survive and get away from this, it was going to be them. And right. in one way they are, but in another way they're not. And it's funny because uh, you know. They say, you know, oh, hey, you know, we're going to have to uh, change course from wherever we were heading and go to the closest planet. And they get the planet up on their view screen and it's got a familiar look to it. (laughs) Yes, it does. And in case, you know, they give you they drop a few hints as well. That's like the third planet from Saul, you know, in case you're still not getting it. (laughs) They're like, well, let's 
let's get the uh, the viewfinder and zoom in on this primitive planet, and and so then you get shots of like I don't know New York City or something. Um, Casey, you haven't gotten the message yet that uh, <laughs> yeah they're headed to Earth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, coming coming to a, a a a political convention near you. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite. I mean, it's a in some ways it's an ending that's been used in other science fictional stories and stuff. I'm reminded of like a Richard Matheson story in particular, but. Um, the way they use it here, I think it's pretty original, and you're not expecting it again. Uh, so I think it delivers, probably especially in 1965, if you're just watching this at the drive-in, probably a shock. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, this is 1965, so you have had some uh, sort of, you, a lot of times up until now, you had some science fiction movies where you know, a, a lot of people might get killed. And it looked a little bleak, but then at the end, you know, they'd pull it out in the end and they might mm-hmm. leave you with like a, a morality message about, you know, hey, you know, uh, you know, watch out for this and, you know, nuclear, the nukes are going to get us or whatever. They might still have a message at the end of it, but usually it was still kind of like a, hey, at least Joe and Sally survived. So, hey, right. isn't that great? But yeah, that <laughs> didn't happen in a lot of Baba films. I mean, no. <laughs> yeah, no, of the, of the four I've covered this Halloween here. Uh, only one had a little bit, you know, okay of an ending. Uh, yeah. I, right before uh, this one here, my third one was Baron Blood from 1972. Mm-hmm. There's there's some survivors there, so you know it's like it's not too bad of an ending as far as you know, the outcome for the the heroes or whatever. But I you know I, I did Black Sabbath and Black Sunday, and that th- those oh, yeah. didn't really yeah. There, there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of carnage there from those. Yeah, but you know I love it. I think it's great. I'm I like that he was trying to do something different and he didn't feel the need to tack on some kind of sappy, happy ending. Um, I, and I think the ending is, uh, effective, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a horrible experience and nobody survived and the end. And <laughs> <laughs> if you can pull that off well, which I think he did in this movie, um, uh, I'm kind of a fan of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, AIP, they actually got involved with this m- movie, like co-producing it, which is cool. Um, yeah. You Usually they had just, uh, you know, paid for the rights to, you know, distribute the film in the United States. And then they would sometimes make some subtle changes with a, a music score or uh, some dubbing or something like that. But they actually, you know, threw some money in and co-produced this one. And, you know, uh, Samuel Z. Arkoff and James H. Nicholson uh, uh, were the two AIP heads. You know, I love those guys. I love AIP. I do, too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of their stuff is very, you know, cheesy, very low budget. But uh, I like a lot, a lot of their stuff. Just about everything I've ever seen by them, especially mm-hmm. horror sci-fi stuff, I really like. It's just, even at its, like, lowest level, if you want to call it that, uh, describe it that way, they're always at least a fun uh, movie where you can get a couple of laughs and things, you know, a couple of cool scenes happen in it, right? I agree. I'm a huge fan, and I had forgotten that this was an AIP movie. And when Nicholson and Arkoff came up on the screen, uh, I had to smile. I just inadvertent, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> my mm-hmm. mouth just involuntarily uh, went into a grin. I was like, yeah, it just gives me a, a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. I love AIP movies as well. I, and, 
mm-hmm. like you said, even at the like the lowest budget or whatever, they're still entertaining. And some of them are get pretty schlocky, but a lot of them actually are, I think, are a cut above other low budget stuff. Huge, mm-hmm. huge, huge fan. Yeah, AIP, you know, uh, for me, they did one of my all time favorite uh, vampire films, Blackula. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I love that I movie. I also love Blackula. The sequel's <laughs> good too. <laughs> yep. Yeah, very much fun. And I didn't realize either, too, that this. Uh, you know, when this uh, film was released over here, it was on a double feature uh, with Die, Monster, Die. Now, I'm a huge Lovecraft fan. Oh, wow. And, yeah. yeah, and I've seen that, and it's based on uh, uh, The Color Out of Space, and mm-hmm. it's it's just okay. Uh, you know, that was one of Karloff's you know, later films that, you know, he passed away only a, a few short years after that came out. So, you know, he wasn't, I don't think, at his best, and, you know... Uh, uh, that that's an interesting uh, film to put it on a double bill with, but uh, the poster looks really freaking cool. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it sounds probably cooler. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Die Monster Die either. Like it says, it's just okay. It's just not terrible or anything. But um, mm-hmm. I think on that double bill, Planet of the Vampires definitely has the, the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like we said, it's it's definitely one. Uh, that uh you know had these influences down the road which you know is huge too again when you're talking alien and even the 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 alien uh uh, prequel prometheus which i thought um visually i liked it and it had some interesting things about it i think it failed in some other ways i think it was a little too heady but uh no even you know helping to uh you know lend some weight to that film too you know this one from 1965 so almost 15 years before alien and Obviously, yeah. a long time before Prometheus came out. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a pretty good legacy, and I think uh, probably influenced other movies as well. Like you mentioned, the thing, and I'm sure there's others. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think it holds up. You know, if you're looking for, a, I think the the sci-fi elements are solid, and the horror elements are also solid, and the, mm-hmm. the weaving of the two, I think Baba does an excellent job. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So like I said, there's there's really literally no excuse not to see this one or any of the Baba films I've talked about uh, here in October because they're all on the ready. And, you know, it, it, to me, if they're that readily available, they have to be public domain, because if anybody, even if they're in like a Russian gulag, thought they could make yeah. 50 cents off of this, <laughs> these movies, they would say, take it down. I own those movies. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that- they, I don't know if this one's been released in like a 4K version or anything like that. I was surprised to find it for free on YouTube, but it is on there. Um, yeah, there there have been, you know, some DVD and Blu-ray releases of these movies. And a lot of times it's like, you know, uh, Anchor Bay or uh, I'm trying to Arrow. I'm trying okay. to some of, the, some of the other kind of boutique uh, companies that put them out where they'll take these, uh, you know, a lot of these films that are public domain or just very mm-hmm. niche and they'll clean them up and restore them and uh, put them out there. And they usually do a fantastic job with them. They'll even try to dig up people that might still be kicking around that, yeah. you know, have had something to do with the film too, and throw a couple little extras on there. They, they, those companies do a really, really good job. But yeah. You can find D- DVDs or Blu-rays of this <clears throat> floating around the internet, Amazon, eBay for anywhere from 10 to 20 bucks. So yeah, it's, it's out there to be had. If you want, yeah. you know, a, a, a remade, you know, remastered kind of copy, you, you can find it. Kino Lorber. That's one of the other ones. Okay. Yeah. That that's might one be of the big ones. That might be something to own. Um, 
I'm I'm not a huge stickler for for the quality of the print or anything. I grew up watching this all these movies on you know crappy TV with bad reception out in the <laughs> woods, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I'm used you know having static on the screen or whatever. So that stuff doesn't bother me too much. But a movie like this, because as I mentioned, the, the way Bava uses the color and atmosphere in this movie um i think i might want to own this just to, just to see a cleaned up restored print to get the full effect of the eerie psychedelic surreal lighting of that alien planet because it just looks so cool it doesn't look mm-hmm. like anything else really it's really original yeah this film i can't think oh yeah there's another film that was out back then or since then that reminds me of this as far as you know the visuals and things like that yeah i don't think so so yeah but i just watched it on on youtube and it was fine i mean it still looked good so mm-hmm. yep 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 i i believe it and then also i did find a couple other things here that may have uh, you know riffed on this a little bit and i've seen one of these two films uh the movie pitch black um from 2000 i can't remember that guy's name that's in it uh vin diesel vin diesel right yeah there's some elements about that movie i think are kind of creepy and weird and i like so i'll have to go back and watch that again because i don't remember thinking there were any similarities with this but also uh brian de palma's mission to mars from 2000 as well it says and again i've never uh i've never seen that one but i'll have to give it a shot yeah i might check that out too that'd be interesting Mm-hmm. And there were some uh, plot elements uh, of this uh, in a comic book, too. You know, uh, Atlas Seaboard there in the late 70s put out uh, Planet of the Vampires. And you know, there's a, a couple of little plot elements from it, but it's it's definitely nothing like this. There's there's actually vampires in that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. They have, the, they have the cool space suits because that's the main thing. <laughs> I, I don't think they have those either. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Somebody needs to make a comic of this with the cool spacesuits. <laughs> if they make it on newsprint, I will buy it. <laughs> oh, totally. I'm in. <laughs> None of that glossy crap. Uh, I don't want any of that. Oh. Give me, give me newsprint. Oh. I want some, you know, the ads for uh, the the He Man, the the kick in the sand in the face of the wimp and everything. You know, I'm trying to think of what else. The the those little <laughs> things you can throw in the water. What were they called? Uh, oh crap yep yep yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what you throw those ads in there and i'm all there yeah <laughs> oh fantastic well all right man well thanks for joining me for this one scott this was a blast man i really appreciate it and that uh, you know if anybody's uh, looking for you and uh, your book out there where can they find you in it uh at scott m west scott i should enunciate scott m west 69 on twitter that's my writer handle uh, my novel, Ghost on the Highway, is available. Maybe you can find some of my short stories floating around. But um, I do have a short story collection coming out soon. I've been saying this on every time we do Tomb of Dracula. But I finally I talked to my the uh, guy that's doing the cover art for me. And it's pretty much done. So I should be getting that book out. Hopefully, I don't know if it'll be this month because I'm planning on going back to Mexico. Maybe in November but fingers crossed. But cool, yeah, look cool. for me on there. Please join me in my weirdness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Join us. Join us. <laughs> and thank you, man. It was cool to revisit this movie. It's uh, one, like I said, I haven't seen it in a long time. And it was actually 
I got to say it was better than I remembered, you know. I, I mm-hmm. remember liking it, and I remember that there being cool visuals, but this time the story actually really grabbed me. Yeah, this is this is one where, you know, and I feel like this about all of Bava's films, and I also kind of feel this way about some Spanish horror, too, like, you know, Tombs of the Blind Dead or Nashi, that, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it was a little bit of a culture shock because I had, you know, when I was a kid, the overwhelming majority of horror and sci-fi that I had seen was uh, American or American versions of European stuff. Mm-hmm. And then teen years and later on, I really fell in love with British, you know, horror. I, I've loved that. And that's still my jam. Like that's still yeah. probably is 75% of what I watch is British yeah. horror. Um, <laughs> I just love it. I think they did it best. Uh, so that's, that's what I'm always going to watch mostly, but you know, probably about, I would say 10, 12 years ago, Maybe about 10 years ago, uh, I, I got to be friends with somebody that does a podcast about uh, Spanish horror. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I, I think I've seen bits and pieces, but I don't think I've ever seen, you know, the, the full movie. You know, like I said, Nashi stuff or Tombs of the Blind Dead. So I'm going to give that stuff a try. And, yeah. uh, all you know, that Spanish stuff and uh, Italian stuff, they, they do things a bit differently than, you know, American producers and directors. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's a little jarring at first, but after you watch a few of them you really do appreciate them uh, and you really appreciate, you know, uh, these, these people that have these uh, other ways of doing things, these other visions for, you know, uh, horror movies and sci-fi movies and just how to produce them and direct them and things like that. It's really, you really got to kind of even just branch out a little bit, watch a couple just to kind of see what they're all about. And you might not love them, but uh, I think you definitely uh, should give them a chance. And I think most uh, sci-fi horror people, you know, fans will really like them. Absolutely. Yeah. I was probably the same. I was. I grew up watching, you know, Universal Monsters and then the Hammer stuff, and then got into more just sort of contemporary horror. Well, contemporary at the time horror, and a lot of that Spanish and Italian stuff just wasn't available or wasn't being shown on TV, which was where I was yep. watching a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like you said, when I when I saw my first ones of those, um, you sort of like, oh, what? I mean, so <laughs> the. the <laughs> The logic doesn't always uh, seem like it makes sense, but if, stick with it. Yeah, definitely. I'm I've become a huge fan of uh, a lot of that stuff. I love the Blind Dead. Um, Nashi is fun. He, he's kind of up and down. You you never know what you're gonna get with him, but at, <laughs> at his best, man, he's got some great movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, gosh, if you want to watch Nashi films, there's one where. At the end of the movie, there's Nashi, who's always the werewolf guy. Uh, yeah. There's a, a werewolf, a Frankenstein monster, a vampire, and a mummy, <laughs> yeah. all like in this big like battle royal. I mean, listen, yep. it's it's Gonzo, but it's great. And then there's one where you know he fights a yeti at the end, a werewolf versus yeah. a yeti. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's one of my favorites, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, come on, it's like you, you gotta love it. So definitely sure. seek out some of his stuff. Like, uh, like I said, definitely if you get a shot, and it's out there to be found now. Like you said, especially YouTube and some other places that stream now. Like I said, Tubi. Uh, mm-hmm. There are plenty of avenues to look for this stuff now. Where 20, yeah. 30 years ago, those things didn't exist. Like you said, it was very hard to find these things. But you know, the DVD era and the the, the streaming era has uh, really uh, brought some things to light that. You know, a lot of people, including myself, never would have seen. So no excuses. Get out there. Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right. Well, that's going to uh, wrap us up here. And uh, I'll have all of uh, Scott's information in the uh, show notes for everybody. So just uh, take a peek there for his uh, social media stuff. You know, I'll get it on there. Definitely give him a follow and look for his book on Amazon and places like that. And like, hopefully by the time you hear this, uh, it won't be uh, 
but another week, maybe two weeks tops. And hopefully we'll be able to, uh, you know, give the news that you can look for his new uh, short story collection as well. So once again, Scott, thank you. I appreciate this, man. You bet, man. Thank you. All right. That's going to get us out of here. And I'll be back in a minute after a quick break to wrap things up. Hi, I'm Joe Dante. This is Trailers from Hell. I guess it's no secret by now that I uh, regard Mario Bava as an unappreciated genius in his time. Uh, unappreciated by anybody but me, I thought. Uh, that's not the case anymore. People have finally come, thanks to Tim Lucas's mammoth book, uh, to understand uh, the artistry that went behind the lurid titles that Mario Bava uh, indulged in. Um, but Bob almost got me killed several times because the only way you could see these pictures uh, in New York and, and Philadelphia was to go into the grindhouses in, in, the, in the seediest parts of town. And uh, my friend John Davison was in the audience when uh, somebody was knifed during a screening of Knives of the Avenger on 42nd Street. Uh, and I was uh, in, at the Family Theater, the inaptly named Family Theater in uh, Philadelphia, where um, during a screening of The Whip and the Body, um, uh, some guy tried to rape the woman in front of him. Um, it was a sadomasochistic picture, too, so I, I don't know where his head was at. Uh, but anyway, this one, Planet of the Vampires, uh, was originally uh, titled Terrore nello spazio, which means terror in space. And when American International decided that they wanted to co-produce the pictures they were picking up from Italy, uh, they got involved, and now it's called Planet of the Vampires, although, frankly, Planet of the Zombies is probably a more accurate title. Let's prepare for a landing, right? Okay. In a 40G <laughs> gravity atmosphere, strange thing happens to man's body and mind. So in 1965, I took the L to the Esquire Theater in Philadelphia to catch the AIP double bill of Die, Monster, Die, and Planet of the Vampires, the movie that many people have suggested inspired much of Ridley Scott's Alien, although he claims to have never seen it. It's his loss. Because if you had to point to one movie that encapsulates the spirit of pulp science fiction, this is it. Two spaceships flying in space get a distress signal from another ship. They go down to investigate on a strange planet and discover that the ship has crashed, all the crew members are dead, and there's evidence of an alien race uh, that used to inhabit the planet. If that sounds familiar, it probably sounds like Alien. Well, it's also Planet of the Vampires, which came out long before Alien. A U.S.-Italian-Spanish co-production full of Spanish, Portuguese, and Italian actors, plus U.S. name Barry Sullivan, speaking native tongues of each other. It's been a remarkably influential movie despite its low-budget origins. The dub dialogue runs the gamut from let's get out of here to let's get out of here quick. But like most Baba movies, it's not about the story, it's all about the style. It's simultaneously spooky and eerie and dreamlike and aggressively atmospheric, all for $1.98. To save money, there are no opticals in this movie. Every special effect was ingeniously done in camera with foreground miniatures, mats, and forced perspective. The Demon Planet is basically an empty soundstage full of smoke and colored lights, plus some spaceship ports that look suspiciously like giant condoms, and a taillight from a 1957 Packard, which is pushed into the foreground. Highlights are the slow-motion resurrection of the dead crew members ripping out of their plastic burial shrouds and a visit to the alien spaceship and its huge skeleton pilots. It's a very cool movie and lots of fun. Planet of the Vampires, harboring a form of life worse than death. 
planet of the bloodless, creatures who take men's bodies but attack like vampires. Alright, that wraps up this episode, and this wraps up my Mario Bava coverage for the month of October here, 2023. You know, looking forward to uh, cooking up something for next year. Not sure 100% what that'll be. I have some ideas, but I want to thank Scott for being on to do Planet of the Vampires with me. Um, and uh, definitely check out our Tomb of Dracula coverage that he and I do together. It's a lot of fun. You know, we love that material. Really good stuff. Strong material there. And definitely go uh, check out some Italian horror, specifically Mario Bava. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Thank you.